Hello from Los Angeles. It's Michael Benner with this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. It's Sunday, March 3rd, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 21 hours universal, as we do this webinar live by telephone, by web feed, available also by Skype. Though you may be listening to a streaming audio as you hear this or a podcast, and in any event, whether with us live or by replay, we certainly appreciate you coming by. Today, our topic is, well, certainly one of my favorite topics, the qualities of love. We could call this the nature of love or just love. What is love? It's a incredibly complex topic and not easy to talk about because of its complexity. An example of something that is simple but not easy. And love is simple enough, but it's not easy to understand because there's just so much to it. Starting, first of all, with the fact that when we use the word, when we speak it aloud, or if you were to write it down in a story or a poem, the first thing most people think of and are most familiar with is love as an emotion. Love is a feeling of warm affection or an affinity, as in I'm attracted to you, like a magnetic attraction or a, or a chemical bonding, an affinity, a desire, a passion, really, an attraction to. But we're going to talk about love today in a way that includes emotional love, but goes far beyond it. And this is where it gets complex. For example, we know, though it's a bit odd, that love can break your heart. So the same emotional feeling, or you could say maybe it's the absence of love or the opposite or antithesis of love, that breaks our hearts. But the very same feeling that can fill your heart with joy and happiness can, if in terms of appearance, be removed and cause this heartbreak, this deep and profound, sometimes even suicidal, uh, emptiness and heartache, heartbreak, loneliness. It's as if where love attaches, there is some sort of bond that if it is broken or ripped away, it creates a deep and profound wound. And yet, with spiritual love, there is none of this. Spiritual love never breaks your heart, so to speak. There is no hurt. There is no damage with spiritual love. So this is part of why when we talk about loving your enemy, for example, in the Christian tradition, though, as you'll see later today, this message of loving those who are wicked, even those who are evil, is found in Hinduism and Buddhism and Eastern philosophy. It's found in the old Hebrew Bible as well as Christianity and in the Koran as well. So it's not merely a Christian admonition to love your enemy. And yet, people all over the world 
are confounded by this. Where was love your enemy the day after 9-11? There didn't seem, even as a moderating or balancing influence, I don't remember anybody talking about it. Uh, I do remember me writing an essay, what today we would call a blog post. We didn't really use that word back then, but an online essay uh, talking about the importance of understanding the enemy and why they would do such a thing. And I was roundly attacked, even by friends, dear friends. And um, one dear friend who I'd known for years and years told me that Love Your Enemy was about the stupidest thing that she had ever heard. And I thought, wow, um, you know, I've heard Christ referred to in many ways, but never as stupid. You might disagree with Christ and Buddha and Krishna and Mohammed and all of the prophets say this. But I think when tested, many of us believe it's just sort of a nice theory that in practice, you can't really love your enemy because they'll kill you <laughs> while you're busy being this gentle, forgiving pacifist. They're going to stab you in the back. Well, today, both here in the free forum and particularly in the premium training that follows in about 25 minutes, we're going to talk about the qualities of love. That's our topic. Our title today is The Qualities of Love. And as we explore the various qualities, different manifestations or aspects of love, then I think you'll begin to understand why it is so complex, why it behaves in so many different ways, and why emotional love, although it's the first thing most of us think of when somebody, again, says or writes the word love, is really just part of the story. Spiritual love, you see, is not an emotion. It's a force field. Spiritual love is consciousness. It is the creative essence behind all things. It is, in many ways, the glue that holds everything together. And you say, how could that be? What? I thought the universe was made of just energy and matter. We often talk about Einstein's equation in which he found the way in which energy can be set equal to mass. If you multiply the mass times the speed of light squared, E equals mc squared. In that case, energy equals mass. So the consequences are we, we know that there are two forms of the same thing, that energy is mass in its electrical form, and mass is energy in its material, separative form. But that's all you have to work with. Well, there is actually a third element, and that's that energy and mass are both conscious. Now, we can prove the consciousness of mass, although it's still debatable whether the consciousness aspect of a material being is independent 
from the objective reality itself? Or is consciousness a function of that objective reality? Or, as many metaphysical people believe, is physical reality a function or projection of consciousness? Well, in any case, the third element is love as consciousness. This love is often capitalized, capital L love. And the third element stands as number two between energy and mass. Because, again, as divine or spiritual love, as the soul, it's not energetic or material, it's energetic and material. The reason this third element, love as consciousness, the soul, stands as number two is because it is both spirit and matter. This is the nature of the soul. It's basically a spiritual thing. It's an energetic thing. And yet it incarnates. So it's not one or the other. It's one and the other. <laughs> Love as consciousness is both spirit and matter, energy and mass, to use Einstein's words. All right. So we could think of, in the most basic way, two kinds of love as emotional and spiritual. But I want to suggest at the top that the spiritual love really embraces emotional love. So emotional love is a type of spiritual love. It's small l love on the lower turn of the spiral, so to speak. It is a less evolved love. And therefore, while there's no such thing as a broken heart in terms of spiritual love, for the source of that love, divinity itself, could never abandon you. You are a reflection of the creator, of the absolute, of what religious people call God. So how could you be abandoned, right? If the source of the reflection in the mirror disappears, then the reflection in the mirror disappears. The very fact you exist as a reflection of divinity means you are a part of that, all right? You are in the one, you as part of the many, all these different separated forms, these people and these animals and these plants and flowers and trees and such are all separated forms that exist within the one life. This is called God transcendent. But then that one life exists within each of these forms, which is the idea of God imminent. And both things are true. It's not merely pantheism, which is that God equals nature, and God is in all things. It is that and divinity transcendent, that all these things are in divinity, and then some. God would have to be greater than the sum total of its creation, you see. And so to say that both things are true goes beyond pantheism to 
panentheism. This is an important concept to understand. They might be new words to you. They might sound sort of big and intimidating. But I'd suggest a Google search. Spend a little time understanding pantheism and panentheism. I'll repeat it again. Pantheism is divinity in nature, that everything is sacred, that you are a reflection of the Most High, and so is your neighbor. So to love your neighbor as yourself makes sense if you understand that everything exists as a reflection of whatever created it. I mean, if if you built a bookcase, part of you is in that bookcase, right? If you painted a painting or recorded a song that you wrote, you would be in that painting, you would be in that song. It would be a reflection of you. So that's God eminent or pantheism. Panentheism would be that plus the idea that all these things are in the divine. And so God transcendent is equal to its creation and more. Panentheism. But what allows the one to create the many without being diminished? You know, Buddha talks about a single candle flame could light a thousand other candles without being diminished or affected in any way at all. So what is it that allows some creative force to manifest itself as the creation without running out of steam or using itself up? And this is love as consciousness. This is the magnetic and cohesive nature of spiritual love, which is where we begin our discussion of the many qualities of love. And we'll be talking about this in-depth in the premium training that follows in about 10 minutes, 12 minutes from right now. Now, all you have to do if you're not yet enrolled is pop over to our primary website, theagelesswisdom.com, and the T-H-E is part of it. So after the W's, it's theagelesswisdom.com, okay? Click on webinars and then premium training, and you'll be able to enroll for just one class. Or if you'd like a nice discount, enroll for a 13-week quarter or for the deepest discount, a full 52 years. (laughs) 52 years. That's funny. 52 weeks, a full year. Okay. (laughs) You you have those three options, a single class, a 13-week quarter, or a 52-week year. Okay, for the deepest discount. Or 52 years, (laughs) for that matter. Well, I can't guarantee that, though. However, I may not be doing these 52 years from now. I'd like to think (laughs) I might be, but let's see. How old would I be then? Okay, so you get this idea of these three elements. There is the one and the many. How does the one, energy, spirit, create the many material separated forms, there has to be a middle element. There has to be a means. Like, 
I, I described it a week or two ago as being like the prism that breaks white light into rainbows. What is the prism? If you have white light that corresponds to divinity, I mean, all those colors are in the white light, but until they hit that prism and are separated based on their frequencies, you may not see all those different colors. So this is what ancient philosophers, before the prism was even discovered, referred to as the one and the many. And the idea was, well, there had to be some sort of middle element here. There was this ancient riddle from time out of mind that mystics would use to test each other and train their disciples. What comes third and stands as number two and makes the three a one? <laughs> what comes third stands as number two and makes the three into a one? And it is love as consciousness. It is the soul. It is that prism that comes third. Spirit creates matter out of which springs love as consciousness, spiritual love. What Christians or Greeks called agape. And the consequence, the oneness or the unity of all things referred to as charity with a capital C. This definition for charity, by the way, is effectively obsolete in this day and age now, but I'd love to see it resurrected, the idea that... You see, what religion tends to do is focus on the many and ignore the one. So we're so focused on a world of separated form that we even separate divinity into a man a giant man who lives above the clouds, but is separated from its creation living very far away. So this leads to the idea that God creates all these different forms and then stands back rather than the much more ancient and universal concept that God is all of these different forms. That's more of a mystical view. This in esoteric Christianity is called Christos, another Greek word, for the awareness or the consciousness of perfect love. So why love? Why is love emphasized? Why does it come up again and again and again in religion? Because it's that middle element that allows the many to realize it's ultimate unity. It's almost like a path, or Christ called it the way, home again. Jiggity-jig, how does the separate find its oneness or its unity? How does it find its wholeness? You find it by following your heart. You find your soul by following your heart. In other words, it's emotional love that will lead you to spiritual love, the consciousness of the soul and the awareness that there's really just one of us here. There's only one thing at work, in spite of its appearance as all these separated little forms. So to then see God as a separated form would be idolatry, wouldn't it? That would be blasphemy. 
And yet that's what we do when we make idols. But again, we say, well, we don't really mean it. That picture of the old guy on the Sistine Chapel reaching out from someplace, just a nice photo. Well, the problem with that is then it's easy to dismiss a lot of other things, like love your enemy becomes a nice saying, but after 9-11, we're going to break out the drones and the bombers and start blowing people up. We've been blowing people up. I mean, 9-11 was a horrible thing. It lasted a few hours. The war in Afghanistan has been going on for 12 years. You might think that would be sufficient payback, even if you were into revenge and such. Emotional love, you know what that is. Give me a hug, hold my hand, you know, kiss me on the mouth, let's let's lay down and and make beautiful love together. Emotional love, passion, desire. But we're going to go beyond that today in the premium training and talk about spiritual love as well, where there are no broken hearts, where there is no abandonment, where there's no cheating and no betrayal, right? And you understand the paradox of the one and the many. I think you're going to like it. I got a lot of material that I could never get into in a free podcast. And, you know, although this is free for you, streaming through the iTunes store and other podcast directories, and we're happy to provide this for you every week, longer than most podcasts, it does cost us quite a bit of uh, money to put this out on the internet so free to you but we have to pay for this and then to try to recoup some of our expenses at least we have the premium training which is still a bargain for less than you'd pay for lunch at a fast food restaurant you get an hour and a half seminar and we put a lot of work into that so we sure hope you can find your way clear at least every once in a while to pop on over and enroll. You'll get on the thank you page the URL and the password you need to join us. And after class, you'll be able to access the replay on demand and download an MP3 to your computer. Register at theagelesswisdom.com, the w's.theagelesswisdom.com. Click on webinars and then premium training, and you can sign up in about 60 seconds. We'll see you over there in a few minutes. Thanks so very much for being with us today as we intro our topic, The Qualities of Love. I'd like you to take some time as I close here to close your eyes, to breathe and relax, and just contemplate quietly what I've described today as a difference, a primary difference between the ebb and flow, the yin and the yang of emotional love, the presence and the absence, the fulfillment and the broken hearts. And then contrast that to the idea of spiritual love being everywhere equally present, never abandoning you, never leaving you, and why you should even love your enemy and be kind to them and practice forgiveness. I often think of Ronald Reagan quoting the Russian proverb, trust and verify. You don't need to be foolish. You can watch your back, you know. <laughs> you, you, you always want to keep an eye out if somebody is wicked, but 
you could have some compassion and feel sorry for them for their karma causes them to pay an even worse price, uh, even more disastrous consequence than you would have to pay. So hope you'll reflect on that and then join us in the premium training. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from L.A.